All right, well, welcome everybody to the Blow Off Valve podcast. Uh, we're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And this week, you know, normally we discuss, you know, automotive news that's kind of interesting for the week or maybe the F1 race. But um, this past week, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I was in uh, Wisconsin in Elkhart Lake for a high-performance driving course that uh, I took my um, 911 to. So we thought we'd kind of discuss that and what the experience is like uh, for those interested in doing a high-performance driving school or something like that. So it's a two-day course. There's a level one and a level two. You can do them separately. I just decided to do them back-to-back. It was easy to schedule and, and get time off work and stuff that way. So And the dog is sniffing with the microphone. <laughs> uh, so the first day, I show up, and it, uh, it was kind of an interesting collection of cars. There were, um, yeah. like... I'm trying to think there were like three Corvettes, uh, a couple WRXs. There was a guy with a Jag F type uh SVR. That's cool. Um, which is pretty sweet. It sounded amazing. And one guy that was you could rent cars from the school, like they're kind of basic economy cars. And so there's one guy that just rented a, a car from the school. And then I was actually the only German car of any kind there, which is kind interesting. of interesting. I figured there'd be more like Porsche guys or at least like a BMW or two. Yeah. It must've just kind of been random chance. Cause weren't you, weren't you saying on the last episode at the hotel, you could see there was a couple of, uh, yeah. Other, uh, nine, nine I thought, or something. Yeah. At my hotel, the first night I was there, there were two nine elevens besides mine and a Ferrari four, five, eight. And sure. I figured that's what they were there for, and none of those cars were actually at the course, so it's kind of kind maybe of they were just there for like some track time or something. Yeah, maybe. I huh. well, it's funny. I pulled in in the first morning, and I didn't really know where to go. Yeah, uh, and there was this like big building that said like registration next to it, so I went over to that, and there were a bunch of like teenage kids and a couple school buses there, and like I pull up in my car, and they're like, "What? What is going on?" They're taking pictures of it and shit, and I I was. <laughs> So I went up to the registration window and the and it turned out that there was a an event going on for a bunch of the local high school tech classes. These classes would build cars. Well, cars is like kind of a generous term. Basically would see how far they could go on one gallon of gas. So it was like oh, an efficiency. It was an efficiency cool. competition. <laughs> uh, so and there th- some of these cars they said could go up to like I want to say like 15, 1600 miles on wow. one gallon of gas. It was amazing. That's pretty cool. So we're doing, as we're doing our course throughout the day, you see these little, these little kind of weird looking cars going around the track. <laughs> um, so it's pretty funny, but so those high school kids, I think got a kick out of my car. Uh, but, but then I figured out where to go. And, um, oh, there are also a couple of civic type R's that first day. So okay. it was kind of cool. Um, that kind of rounded it out. The first uh, couple hours of the day were like classroom sessions. So essentially, they were teaching us about kind of vehicle dynamics and the idea of, of weight transfer and balance. So, you know, when you're hard on your brakes, all the weight transfers to the front of the car. So in a front wheel drive car, that'll make it grip better. Sure. Um, whereas when you're accelerating the weight transfers to the rear of the car. So for cars like mine with a rear engine, uh, that's you know, actually going to help it be more stable, Mm -hmm. uh, getting on the gas a little bit and kind of just being smooth with your inputs. So 
you're not unsettling the car, you know, you're not yeah. jerking quickly on a turn and you're kind of doing a, a smooth arc through a corner. Yeah. So they taught us a lot about kind of that sort of, you know, vehicle handling and dynamic stuff. And then we got out to the, uh, they had a few different areas where we did different activities. So like they had a, uh, a car, a school car set up that had basically like completely not bald, but like, plastic rear tires essentially so you could just basically spin it um so they were teaching us like skid control like how do i get out of a skid and that sort of thing nice yeah so that was pretty fun um so we did that a little bit and then they had uh what they called their stop and go challenge where you would start in in a, a little box kind of outlined by cones you would accelerate toward a cone, go around it in, in what you deemed to be the best line. Okay. And then there was there were three cones set up to create a slalom. So you'd go around this cone at a fast pace, do a quick run through this slalom, and then there was a cone that was outlined there was a box outlined by cones where you would get on the brakes and stop come gotcha. to a complete stop. So it was kind of like a mini competition to see who could, you know, do it in the fastest time. Um, and it was interesting, you know, you cause you think like, I want to cut through that. I want to cut past that first cone yeah. tight, you know, but you actually, that would cause you to run wide. So the ideal line was to take a really wide angle on that first to set cone you up for the slalom, to set you up for the slalom. Exactly. Um, <laughs> a lot of it probably honestly, and the timing comes down to skill. Yeah, 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 exactly. Necessarily like the car. I mean, obviously the car is going to help to some extent, but um, yeah, you know, I I don't know that I would have realized that until the first time I was through, and then as I'm mm-hmm. approaching the slalom, I'd realize oh, I'm not lined up for this. Right. Yeah, you realize like, oh, I'm way out of shape, and I'm having to slow down to correct my angle to get to the slalom like lined up correctly. Yeah, and that's cool. It it was it was a fun activity, and and it really showed you like. It showed me at least how much more steering angle I had without mm. like un- without, you know, getting out of control with the car and just yeah. how much grip I had, you know, going through the slalom and even just braking. I had never really slammed on those brakes, you know, and yeah. y- it was amazing how hard the braking forces are when you're fully on the brake, like, you know, and it wasn't a gradual application of the brake it was just you slam on the brake so that was it was pretty revealing um the next thing they had us do was uh this basically trying to get us to understand what the limits of our braking were so what they had us do was they would you'd start on a, a you'd start at this little start line absolutely hammer the gas and then once you got to a certain after maybe, God, it was probably 50, 60 yards. I'm not sure exactly how far, but there was another set of cones. And when you got to that set of cones, you'd hit the brakes as hard as possible and stay on them. Basically, they wanted you to get on your brakes so hard that you would get into your anti-like brake system engaging. Okay. Um, just to kind of understand what that feels like. That's a good because, point, yeah. Because they're trying to teach what they call threshold braking, where you're on the brakes hard just before the abs is going to activate yeah basically pushing it to the limit kind of like optimizing your braking 
without having a bunch of inner this car running a bunch of interference on you that's exactly it like on the track you obviously don't want your analog brake system engaging yeah running Um, all the time yeah but you can't know what that limit is until you've gone over it so this was kind of a safe way for them to show us what the limit of that system in our individual cars was what was Um, your experience like with the with the rs it was so fun man like I had never, I had never gone wide open throttle in that car because I didn't yeah. feel like it was very safe to do that on like a public road, you know. Yeah. Uh, so this was kind of my first chance of actually getting to just mash the gas like a complete <laughs> asshole, <laughs> and and it was, dude, it sounded amazing. And then just hitting the brakes, like I said, it, I mean, you're pulling multiples of the g forces you are when you're accelerating when you're braking. Like the braking is yeah. so much more. That was something they really pounded to us in our in our class was was that your brakes are way more effective than your engine. Like your car can stop way better than it can start, even in cars like mine that are fairly high horsepower and and lightweight. Mm-hmm. And I and that was totally true. You could just feel it. Like it's way more uncomfortable to hammer the brakes in my car than it is to hammer the gas in terms of forces on your body. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, and then the last of these kind of three exercises they had us do was what they called the emergency lane change maneuver, which you've probably seen, like, it's kind of like the moose test. If you ever yeah. heard that, you know, so basically they had, uh, they had a start line. They had, uh, kind of three sets of cones creating three lanes. And then they had stop boxes beyond those three lanes and with, with lights, um, red and green lights set up. So all the lights were red. You would start out, you would go through the center lane, mm-hmm. and then either the left or right box okay. would have the light go green. So that would tell <laughs> you which way you you're supposed to, to go. <laughs> exactly. So it's this really and and they were they were bastards about it, man. They <laughs> they, they wouldn't they wouldn't change that light to green until you're basically already through that really into right, that yeah. center lane. Oh my god. So it was like this really hard correction to to get lined up for the oh. So that was and and then again once we it's got, like you said it's super insightful information, you know, like uh like it's all when stuff I think you about don't the, want to do in an that's emergency. That's exactly it. I've never, I've never done that. Right. It's, that, it's, but it would be nice to know what the response would be. You know, that's exactly it. It's, it's teaching you to know what, hmm. you know, in a safe setting, what the absolute limits of your car's capabilities are, um, without you know wrecking. And they actually made it even tougher. So after we had all done the normal lane change a couple times. They had us go to either the far left lane or the far right lane and then get over to the corresponding far side. So if I was lined oh, up in the far oh, left yeah, lane, yeah. I had to make it to the far right brake box, which even in, you know, the thing that kept coming to my mind when I was doing these things is I was finding it challenging to do them in my car, which is tremendously capable. The guy that's the doing this in like, there was a guy in like a Chrysler 300M. I'm like, geez, man, like. <laughs> Trying to muscle that thing around, like <laughs> yeah. holy cow! And he, you know, to his credit, he did he did fine. But I was just like, oh man, I you know, doing this in a, re- in a normal car would be tough. Well, yeah, and I God, you know, I really wonder how the Tycoon would handle that type of mm-hmm. stuff. It's so heavy. I mean, it's got a lot of wizardry with um, 
you know, dynamic chassis control, mm-hmm. torque vectoring, you know, rear steering thing still weighs like a whale. <laughs> yeah. I, I did think about you on a couple of the activities, like, man, the Tycon would like really, you'd be throwing a lot of mass around. Well, the second day, which I'll talk about, there's a, a, a thing that we did that I was like, oh, this would be tough and like a really heavy car. So we ended the day uh, with a uh, really fun kart track there, but the, which it's kind of unfair to, to that conjures images of like this little small tiny course. This was a big go kart track, and it's not built for like little low power go. It's built for like fast go karts. So they had us run this go kart track with our cars and it is small enough that you're not getting up to crazy speeds. And the, the whole point was they would want us to teach us like getting through a corner cleanly. So they had a, they had cones set up where your turn in should be at the apex of the corner and where your corner exit should be. And so you basically wanted to get your tire as, so like say on a right-hand corner, you want, your front left tire to be within like a foot of the turn in cone before you're turning in. You want your front right tire to be within a foot of that apex cone. And then again, you want your front left tire to be within a foot of that exit cone. Just teaching you the angles to get through. So it was really, uh, it was really fun. So basically you'd go through turn one, which is a fast right hander. There was, they set up a little cone slalom going into turn two, which was this kind of downhill right-hander, fairly sharp. Then you had a, a pretty quick acceleration uh, to the turn three, which was a left-hander. But you could do this really beautiful flowing line through turn three, setting right up to turn four without hardly moving the steering wheel angle. Sure, like, yeah, you could keep you, the same angle. Yeah, if you approached uh, it right. Exactly. So it was basically teaching us all to drive smooth. You know, don't, don't be pounding on the gas. Don't be pounding on the brakes. Just be smooth through these corners. Um, so we did, we did a bunch of laps of that track, and and uh, they basically made it so that any instructor, if you wanted an instructor to ride with you to kind mm-hmm. of correct any issues or you know give you tips, you could do that. So I did a couple laps myself just to see how it was, and then I had one of the instructors join me to kind of correct any issues I was having and. And uh, the instructors were all really, uh, really great. The the guy the second day that kind of was the lead instructor was a little bit of a eh, little questionable, but fair but everyone enough, else yeah, was awesome. But it was funny because they all were trying to get in my car to, to, to go around the, <laughs> yeah. the track. Fun and so, yeah. yeah, so it was pretty funny. Like the, the lead instructor came over after I'd done, I don't know, probably seven to 10 laps. And he was like, so how's it going? I was like, oh, you know, feels great. Super fun. And he's like, uh, need any help with anything? And and uh, <laughs> I was like, I think it's going okay. And one of the instru- other instructors came over and he's like, he's basically wanting to go for a ride in your car. He just doesn't want to say it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, hop in. Yeah, yeah, hop in. And so then we did a few laps and, and he was just talking about how much he, like all the instructors were like, dude, you have got the best car here. Like, you know, oh, yeah, so no great and blah, blah, blah. So that was, it was pretty funny. Here's a question for you, just out of curiosity. One of the things you and I had talked about when we were just discussing this um, a while back, you know, as you're looking at chargers in the vicinity and really didn't find Mm -hmm. any 
at least yeah. fast chargers. Uh, you know, you could, if you had an EV, you could probably go back to your hotel as long as it's not, you know, 30 or 40 mile drive from there and mm-hmm. probably just charge it back overnight. Yeah. Do you think that you'd have enough juice to get through a day like that with all the, the stuff you guys did? The first day, I would say probably. The hmm. second day, no way. Interesting. Okay. Not unless you had a so charger very close. Okay. So let's hear about that second day now. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was, so I don't think I told you about this. So, between the first and second days, there was some action. So I get back to my hotel the night of after the, the night of the first day on Monday night. And I go to my room, the building that my room's in. It was like this hotel kind of had separate buildings. And my key card doesn't work. So I go over to the to the lobby of the hotel and no one's there. Like I'm talking no one, like zombie movie, no one's around. The shining. And I'm just, yeah, it was, I was just like, what the heck? So I call, you know, the hotel number and the number rings in the lobby that I'm standing right next to, of course, no one, you know, so I'm like, well, shit, what do I do here? So I, I ended up calling the company that owns just, it's like a part, it's owned by one of these big hotel conglomerates, choice hotels. And so I called them and they tried getting a hold of the manager of the property can't get a hold of them. So after literally two hours of oh my gosh. trying to find someone to come let me in, uh, they finally find, I don't, I don't know if she was a maintenance person that was someone that yeah. wasn't working that day. She had obviously just come from her home, wherever she lived and got me in and gave me new key cards. Uh, and, but when I ended up checking out on, on Tuesday, it, the, the manager was there and he's like, I'm really sorry. He's like, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what happened with the card. He's like, I was in Chicago. I was like, I I didn't get into it with him because it's like, what's the point? But it's just like, yeah, I have no problem with you going to Chicago, but like you didn't have a backup. You like, got to have it, somebody at the hotel, man. Like There was literally no one around. Like what happened? <laughs> what happened if a, a guest had like a heart attack? Like it just, oh, I was just. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It, the That's hotel otherwise unexpected. was great, but it was it was such a bizarre incident. Yeah, I've um, never experienced anything like that. And outside of the story you've just told, I never heard of anything like that happening. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so. It was like so. You left this place completely unmanned, without yeah, like. I'm gonna go to Chicago today. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you and I. You know, yeah, I'm gonna go to Chicago not, today. We'll yeah, it's not like out. Chicago is like like Chicago is probably a four or five hour drive from that hotel. So. <laughs> It was just bizarre. So anyways, I I finally got my room and and got rested up. But the second day, a little different mix of cars, more Corvettes, actually. It was kind of cool. There was a family. The dad was driving a WRX. The uh, son was in a C6 Z06 Corvette. And the daughter was in like an late 80s Corvette that like they had obviously just bought. Like it still had the, the, the temp tag on it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, all right, well, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Um, you guys are rocking it. <laughs> but all told, out of the 12 cars, five of them were Corvettes. So I was, I was okay. feeling pretty outnumbered. The The lead instructor the second day was this kind of blustery guy who I wasn't a huge fan of. But I kind of just leaned more on the other instructors that I had met the first day and who were really nice. Mm-hmm. And 
we actually did the stop start challenge that we did the first day. We did that again, but then we also did another one where you would have your start box, you would go, there were cones set up and you would do basically a 270 degree turn around this cone, these cones. And then they had an arc of cones set up to kind of simulate like a wall or a turn. And you would, you would basically carry as you'd take whatever the tightest line you could figure out around to do a 270 around those cones Mm-hmm. try and apex that that wall of cones and then there'd be a stop box so that was really fun to run it took a little getting used to um but i finally was able to figure out good lines through it and then they did a thing they called the champagne challenge which was kind of cool they had a one of the school uh, the school had two c8 corvettes the new corvettes that were instructor cars and they had us use one of them and they attached this essentially like a goblet looking thing with a tennis ball in it to the cup uh, that was sitting in the cup. And that was attached to the hood. And you had to do basically half a lap of the go-kart track that we had done, been on the previous day, going through the corners and then through a slalom coming down a hill into the break, into the stop box. So you're coming down this hill, doing a slalom, and then applying the brakes to come to a complete stop in the box without the tennis ball falling out of the cup. <laughs> so it was this really interesting challenge of like balancing speed with with smoothness and handling. And uh, unfortunately, the challenge was won by like the 16-year-old kid in the class. And we're all like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That's awesome. Yeah. Good I, for him. Yeah. So I think he just was braver than the rest of us <laughs> in yeah. terms of his pace. Um, he was a nice kid though. I chatted with him a little bit, but, um, the, the day ended and this was kind of the highlight of the whole thing. So, so we were supposed to get four laps of the big track, the full road American mm-hmm. course with, uh, what they call lead follow style. So an instructor was going to be in the car in front, uh, doing the ideal line through each corner. Okay. And there were going to be three other three student cars following him just keeping up uh and so they split the group you know they split us up into it was four four different groups each with three cars and uh they had us do sessions where we'd go out and do four laps and then come into the pit but we actually had an hour of track time so we ended up getting to do 12 laps oh wow sweet so it was a good run yeah, it was awesome. So basically, we'd go out. Two of the groups would go out, but spaced apart, so we wouldn't mm-hmm. catch each other. Um, do four laps and then pit in. The other two groups would go out, and the first two groups would sit and kind of wait for their turn again. And it was just amazing. So I was in a group with a Ford, a Ford Focus ST and a Mercedes E Class sedan. And the downside of lead follow is the instructor is not going to. He's going to go as fast as the slowest car. Yeah. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to lose anybody. Yep. So after the first two or three laps of our first kind of set of four, the Ford Focus was just cooking its brakes. And sure. so yeah. he pulled off for the last lap and me and the Mercedes did, you know, our fourth lap. And uh, then we pulled off and <laughs> the the Ford was cooling its brakes down. We went out for our next set of four and both the Mercedes and the Ford on the third lap were burning through their brakes. So they pulled off and just me and the Corvette finished the fourth lap. Sweet. 
And the funny thing was is, he, like, was he able to let it out a little bit more? He did let it out a little bit more, uh, and and we pushed it. And uh, that's, that's sweet. So, for for those of you who don't know about Road America, it's it's about a f- little over four mile road course. It has just over a mile long straightaway uh, where the where the pits are, and it's a very fast track race cars will get up to like 160 on the front straight. I got up to like 120, 125 and I could have gone faster, but again, I'm kind of, I was yeah. limited by the other cars in my yeah. group. I'll tell you about the the last set of four, which is the funniest, but uh, just the, the laps in general were amazing because hearing that car, hearing my car just at full song yeah. in down the front straight, echoing off the walls, yeah and then she was actually, doing what she's finally meant to do <laughs> to do and seeing just how insane the brakes are how much grip the car has i mean and and the cool thing about getting to do so many laps was each lap i'm figuring out like oh i can break even later oh yeah. i can turn in even harder because well, i've got more grip than i thought yeah i mean your tires are going to heat up those carbon mm-hmm. ceramics are going to kind of hit their you know yeah, and they're just going to get kind of better and better as they warm up. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's a track weapon, is what it is. That's exactly what what happened. Like that, the tires started getting enough heat in them that I was getting more and more grip and just able to push it harder and harder through corners. And I knew, like, it was a a stock C eight in front of me. I was like, I can keep up with this guy. You know, like I can. Oh, yeah. This car is capable of keeping up with this guy. I just need to be able to mentally yeah do it you know and uh so it was just amazing that the the fastest part of the track actually is not the front straight it's coming out of um turn 12 so there's this part of the track called the kink which is the most dangerous part of the track because it it's kind of a turn but it's kind of not and it's very easy there's no runoff it's very easy to go into the wall so they put in this this segment called the bend, you can block the kink off and do the bend. And that's what they do for motorcycle races to slow them down. And we did the bend, but makes sense. So the bend, basically you're coming down a straight, you take a left. And then after about 50 yards, there's a hard right. And that sets you up for the straightaway into turn 13, which is called Canada corner. And that straightaway is long. It's not completely straight, but it's you're flat out throughout the whole thing. And that was the most fun because you're far, you're in the middle of the woods at that point. I mean, the the, the track is surrounded by, it looks like the Nürburgring, the track's surrounded by woods. And so you come out of that second, that right-hander into that straight and just hammer the throttle. And the car is just singing. (laughs) It is, and it is hauling ass. Like I got up to like, I, I was consistently at like 125 before I got to the braking zone. Yeah. And then you're just on, and, and he told your tendency is to want to kind of gradually progressively break like you do on the road, but actually on a racetrack, you want to stamp on the brakes and get off because it's actually harder on the brakes to be on them for longer. Okay. Yeah. You're just creating more friction for longer, increasing temperatures. Exactly. They're like, it's better to just hammer them, get down to the speed you need to make the corner and get off the brakes. Get off them and let them start cooling down. Yep. So, so, and that's where, when the Mercedes and Ford were cooking their brakes, it was, they kept doing it going into Canada because you're basically, you're doing 120 and then you're 
slowing down to about probably 50 or 60 for the corner. So you're like really hitting the brakes hard. But it's an amazing part of the track because you're basically, you've got walls on either side of you that are maybe three or four feet high. And then it's just woods. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, I bet. So anyways, for the last set of four laps, the first two were kind of normal. Like we're just, you know, we're, they were great. But but then I noticed I get in behind him for like the third lap, I guess it would have been. I'm right behind the instructor and he, he's like pushing it. I can tell he is pushing it. And I'm like just trying to keep up and I'm watching the Mercedes and the Ford fall farther and farther behind. And normally they each lap, they had us, um, the guy that was right behind the instructor, when we got to the front straight would pull over to the right, let the other two pass and then tuck in, in the third spot. So everyone got to have their chance behind the instructor. But by the time we get to the, 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 the front straight, I can't even see the other two cars. So, they're they're just behind us. And so the instructor, and I'm in, expecting him to slow down. He doesn't slow down. So I'm just, I'm like, well, I'm keeping up with him. Like, whatever happened, yeah, we're I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So he is bombing through <laughs> through the course. So we do this, what was by far the he fastest. Must have been, he must have been like, I want to give this guy a gift. So this, this is guy this drives is the car. <laughs> so this is the thing. So we finished the lab. And I haven't gotten out of my car. The Ford and the Mercedes come in and he goes over to them and I hear him go, I hear him go, Hey guys, sorry about those last two laps, but I wanted to let the Porsche play a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And he comes, so he, he gets done chatting and comes over to me and goes, that was awesome. It just gives you a fist bump. (laughs) It's like, that was awesome. Thank you for that. That's so cool. Uh, Yeah. That's a gift, man. I mean, you yeah. needed that. I mean, your car is meant to do that. You know, that yeah. That guy in, in your car, you know, could probably set a decent track time on, yeah. on that thing for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, he he was like he's like, I just wanted to see that thing at at you know, at full let work. It. So yeah. So yeah, he let me let it out a little bit and it was just a blast, man. It was four laps would have been amazing. Twelve laps, yeah. it was just what a it, treat. It was just unbelievable. I mean, well, then, it, you know, the more of those laps that you do, the more comfortable you get with the track. You start to mm-hmm. learn how the car responds, what you can get away with. Yeah. You know, every I, I mean, I was really pace. Yeah. I was really intimidated. The first lap, I was like, please don't just put this into a wall. Like, yeah. I was super nervous, actually. Like, I, I got more nervous before that first lap than I have been in a long time. But then, the beautiful thing about it and and why I would love to do it again at some point is the, the, you have to be so focused about what you're doing that you can't think about anything else. It's a very kind of Zen experience because you're going so fast and things are happening so quickly that you have, your brain is just locked in and you're thinking, okay, here's my breaking point, you know, cause they, before we got out on the track, they went turn by turn, like, here's where your breaking point is. Here's a visual reference, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're thinking turn one breaking point. Okay. Now I'm, I got, I'm done breaking. Here's my turn in point apex track out. Mm -hmm. And, and if you hit it perfectly, you don't even have time to pat yourself on the back because you're, you're setting up for the next. You're setting up for the next. Yeah. You're thinking about the next. 
like you don't even process everything you did until you pit in and you're like, holy crap, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> Your hands are sore from white knuckles. Yeah. Well, the, oh man, the next Bloody day, I, my body was so sore the next day just because oh, the amount, I mean, even with the seats, the like, up. yeah, yeah, even with my seats being as, as good as they are for holding in place, yeah. you're just, you, you're, yeah. you're getting beaten up by the G forces through those. Yeah, toys, you, it's you know? like, you know, you think about those, you know, guys, the F1 and when, you know, oh. you see them on, um, what is it? Netflix. And, you know, they're doing mm-hmm. all these weird neck exercises and stuff. And it's like, yeah makes complete sense <laughs> yeah oh totally it's because there's almost no other way to train for it you know because yeah. it's all lateral it's all lateral g's that are doing the, the beating up you know and that's yeah. pretty hard to train for so yeah it was just it was such a wonderful experience getting to see kind of what my car you know i still probably only did about 85 percent of what it could do because i was doing a hundred percent of what i could do yeah, you know, okay. I mean, it's Fair its enough. abilities yeah. are so high. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you see, like when they go out on the Nuremberg Ring with like the new GT3 and they set these crazy ass, you know, track times. Like that's mm-hmm. what the car is capable of at a hundred percent. And right. those and those folks are, you know, professionals. That's right. what it would take, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, it seeing it do it, it's just you're using a tool for what it was made for. And there's something very satisfying about that. Yeah. Even if you, even if you can't particularly use it as well as it could be used, it, it's, it gives you a taste. Yeah. It gives you a little taste of it. And, and it's just such a fun experience, but to, to your earlier question about, you know, charging it, would you need, you know, could you get through a full day? No, the, not with to that give you an times. idea. I, I, they had us fill up our tanks before we started the session, the the full course session. And in 12 laps of the track, I went through half a tank of gas. Yeah. I mean, so, I think one of the guys um, I've read about who's had his turbo out at Laguna Seca, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe a few laps. And yeah. He's got a fast charge. So I... Yeah, I don't think it'd be doable. You'd need at least a fast charger there, and you'd have to brake. Yeah, you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't be braking forever to to recharge it, but you just have a different day, and yeah. you have to be flexible with that. So it's just yeah, not I think you would realistic at this point. Yeah, I think you could very easily get through the first day because there's a decent amount of downtime because you're waiting to take your turn, you know, in in each of the little horses, but. Uh, but that uh, that big track, yeah. I mean, it's because it's yeah, so it's high speed. Yeah. yeah, it's a, you know, because twelve miles. So I basically did essentially thirty six miles at race pace. You know, my own yeah. race pace. <laughs> and and I mean, that's that's, you know, a lot of burning some energy. <laughs> it's a lot of energy being burned. Yeah, even with your regenerative braking, I think it would still yeah, be. Yeah, no, I know. Um, yeah, I honestly, I, I kind of wonder with you know. The, I, I wouldn't worry yeah. more about your brakes, honestly. That, you know, yeah, that's interesting. I think that's a really good point. You know, it makes an argument, especially if these EVs are going to keep their weight. Let's say their capacities get better so they, they could even handle this. But, you know, mm-hmm. with that weight, you're you're probably, if you're going to take it out and use it as a track weapon, you're going to probably need carbon ceramics on that thing. Yeah. You know, because my, my every time steel brakes. No, <laughs> every time I came in, you know, I would basically put my hand down. And my brakes never got hot. 
wow. as hard as I was using them. It was I was like, wow, yeah, these actually are really amazing. Especially yeah. when, you know, the cars behind me were cooking their brakes every session. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I was thinking that what made me think of you is, is like with the Ford Focus cooking his brakes, I was like, as big as yours are, I, you could stop, but I think yours being steel brakes, you, yours would start to fade. You know um, what I think actually? Um, so mine with the turbo has their, I, I haven't, obviously I've never used these on a track, but they're, um, what are they called? They're surface coated. So oh, that's right. You know, there's some thing in between. Yeah. And um, I actually think the main issue that I've seen the Tycoon on track with mm-hmm. is that the regenerative braking is so powerful. It's mm-hmm. pushing in and pulling out so much energy into the battery that it just, mm-hmm. it overheats just like the Tesla. Uh, sure. I think you would get, you'd probably get further in the, <clears throat> you know, lapping and stuff like that. Um, then like the, the model S, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know about the plaid plus, maybe that'll behave differently, but I think you go longer in the Tycon, but eventually yeah. that's, that is where you'd have to tap out is it would just, uh, it just neuter you after a while. Cause it's, it's almost like they were, they put, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a fault, but I kind of wonder if they made the regen breaking like too strong, you know, sure. you, you want to like harvest as much energy and get it back into the pack as you can. But you know, if you're, if you're limited by doing that with heat, mm-hmm. maybe you want less of that and you just want like carbon ceramic brakes on that thing. Because I kind of, I kind of wonder if, if it's just what Porsche thought their customers would use it for, you know, like probably, I, I think you're right. I don't I think, think they expected of, people yeah. to take them to the track. No, and that's and I was just talking with a guy yesterday about EVs in general, and he was talking about having a Corvette C8, mm-hmm. and I just said, you know, these things are great for daily drivers. They're wonderful, a lot mm-hmm. of fun on a back road, you know. But um, you know, if you want to take it out on the track or let it rip, something like that, you're still looking at a, an internal combustion engine to do that. Kind of like your yeah. experience suggests here, right? Yeah, it, not there yet. You know, and I, the the thing. As amazing as the performance was, the thing that made me really develop a different kind of respect for my car is the, I was kind of monitoring the the, M, the engine, oil temp, all that stuff throughout. It barely budged. Man. I mean, and, and I mean, this was me beating the hell out of it, you know, for 12 <laughs> laps of one of the fastest road courses in the country. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, when they, uh, what did they do with the GT3 the other month or they were running it around a track at like some absurd oh yeah miles they're, an hour for, they're at i think the nardo ring for yeah, yeah they're doing right. like 186 miles an hour for like three thousand miles or something like that <laughs> yeah like nothing you know no no, no big deal it, <laughs> it really it you know someone made the comment to me you know actually no it was in that article you and i read in um in the road oh, rat basically saying talking about the 911 saying like these things are are incredibly durable which makes sense when you yeah, figure yeah. you think about they the amount of it cra- yeah they had some crazy ass stat where they said something like since the 1960s 60 or 70 percent of them are still on the road yeah like 70 percent of 911s that is ever built are all crazy. still on the road yeah <laughs> well you know but he made the point in the article like you know, this is a this is a company that has had tremendous success at endurance racing. Yeah, and they still true. do. Yeah. 
So it makes sense. Like these, they know how to build an engine that doesn't blow up, doesn't overheat under under loads. You know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it just it made me realize like I'm gonna you you take care of the car. You don't want to abuse it. You have some mechanical sympathy for it, but it can take a lot of yeah of beating. Enjoy that car. Yeah, you can enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah, it was just an amazing couple days. you know, I had just a ton of fun exploiting it and seeing yeah. what it was. I wanted to of. ask one other question yeah. before we wrap. I know it's something you alluded to, I think, at the, la- the last um, podcast, just out of curiosity. So what was the track insurance like for this? Like, what was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Experience like? Yeah. So uh, I was actually talking to one of our buddies about this because he's he's doing it in July. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. And uh so the track insurance, I I did get tracked insurance for both days just because I got through Haggerty, who's one of the few kind of big insurers that, that does track insurance. And I don't know that it was necessary for the first day. We didn't really ever do anything that would have kind yeah. of put my car in danger of, of significant damage. But you didn't think, know. But I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be like. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't going to take a chance. The second day, I definitely think you need track insurance because okay. you could be doing everything right, and if you suffer it's a brake failure yeah. or something, like like the the Ford Focus yeah, flat, maybe you got a flat tire. Yeah, you get a flat, or you know, like the Ford Focus guy, he he almost put it into a wall when his brakes overheated. Like, yeah. so you know, it's possible, and and I've heard that they tell some stories about some other stuff that have happened to people. But anyways, yeah, so I got it for both days. Typically, it's about 1% to 2% of the value of the car, or at least, at least what you want to insure it for. So I say see. say you have, you know, whatever, a, a new C8 Corvette that costs you ninety grand. If you want to insure it for the full ninety grand, it's probably going to be about 900 bucks for track day insurance. Okay. Um, so, you know, mine unfortunately was not not that yeah. not that cheap, which that the single most expensive part of the entire two days for me was the track day insurance. It okay. was and then it was more expensive then, than the hotel and the course combined, which yeah, is yeah, fair enough. It's smart. It's smart. You know, like you yeah. said, there's some things in the universe you can't control. Right. Uh, you don't know how it's gonna play out. The other right. thing I really was curious about, how are those tires after all this? That's a really good question. They are definitely more worn. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've probably got at least, you know, probably another couple thousand miles that I can use them. But yeah. it well, plus it, you'd be on more on public roads and stuff. Right, exactly. Like I I from what I had heard from people, the cup twos usually will last a couple full track days for people. So we're talking maybe you know, I don't know, 40, 50 laps around a track times two. So, um, you know, it, it kind of depends how you use them and yeah. the course itself. But for, for this experience, you can definitely tell they have been used. Um, sure. Okay. Whereas just the driving I'd done in, you know, around town and out on the country roads, like the car, the tires basically still look more or less brand new. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Makes sense. I would say it probably if I never went to the track day and if all I did was drive, like I drive around here, um, I would say the track day, the, the 
the course probably cut about three, two to three thousand miles of okay. of you know these cup yeah. twos only last like ten to twelve thousand miles, anyways. And that's they, what they're meant to do. Is what that's what they're meant to do. Well, yeah. So I, I was think, just curious. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's you know it's that's another expense. You know, that's another major expense you have to keep in mind too. Is is if you're doing stuff like this regularly, the tires, brake pads, you know, yeah. all those things are going to get eaten up. Because I, I definitely, when I washed my car when I got home, I definitely had like some brake, you know, brake pad dust on, on the calipers. Yeah. Uh, you could tell they'd been used. So, uh, well, I, yeah, I, I think those are the things that you definitely want to keep in mind. Like, you know, I, I definitely shed, you know, probably 20% of my tire life by doing now that being said this like I said we we were only supposed to do four laps so I did three times as many laps on on yeah. the track as I was supposed to do so you know I wore my tires more than I would have otherwise but um, absolutely worth it though <laughs> yeah it just depends what you you know how you want to approach it like if if it's your if you're bringing like your you know little three thousand dollar Miata to the to the track day just to have a little bit of fun you know track insurance probably isn't that big a deal yeah. um but if you're if you're bringing a car that is you know expensive enough that it's going to be a little painful to replace <laughs> uh yeah. then then i think it's definitely worth it 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 gave me peace of mind you know like i would have been even more nervous about taking it out on the track if i was like well if i put this into a wall like this is just gone you know, I'm probably not going to be replacing <laughs> yeah, exactly. it. Uh, yeah, that's not doable. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I think even though it was expensive, I think it was yeah, well it was worth it for that day. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I would recommend anyone that is interested in in learning more about not just track driving, but how to drive a performance car more safely and maybe a little bit more quickly to do one of these courses. Road Americas was wonderful. I'm sure there's many other good ones out there, but uh, I think I, I learned a lot of good lessons and really just the experience. You know, I'm, I, I yeah. was able to do things safely in a, in a safe controlled environment that if I were to try and have that similar experience on, on a public road would be frankly dangerous and and yeah. really irresponsible so but that's about it uh for for this week uh we'll be back next week uh, i think monaco gp is next weekend right i think so yeah i was looking at yeah. that yesterday <clears throat> yeah so uh we'll have some you know some race coverage and and if we have time a little bit of kind of some news there's been a few uh few things that have come up the official unveiling of the ferrari uh, 812 competizione uh being one of them uh that we can talk about but until next week thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time